Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you have a certain area of your life, a certain fault, a certain weakness that you wish would just change? You you try really hard, you want to change, and, and you beg God for grace to help you to change, but it just won't go away. And you don't notice any improvement, and you could feel a little discouraged, wondering, will I ever get better? Will this ever improve? Well, this week, the Catholic Church celebrates a great saint, one of my favorite heroes, and yet she's someone that had a deep-seated weakness that would not go away. Many of you know this saint. She's so famous. She's so well-known in Catholic circles. It's the great Saint Therese of Lisieux, the little flower. She's my favorite saint. I love Therese. But a lot of people don't know about this deep-seated weakness, this fault that she had. She spent 10 years, 10 years battling this fault, trying really hard, wanting to improve, begging God for grace to help her. And she just saw a little improvement for 10 years years. She's struggling. Do you ever feel like that? You know, many people don't know this side of St. Therese, but one day God did intervene in a powerful way and she was changed. She was transformed. She described it as as a miracle in her life. She, She describes it as the moment of her complete conversion. Do you know the conversion story of St. Therese? You know, we're going to talk about that here today, but what I want to get into is just how important what God does in her life, but in the life of many saints. Uh, many times God will leave saints, holy disciples of the Lord, in situations of weakness, situations of imperfection, of faults, maybe even in sin. And what is God doing there? Why is he doing this? And how do we respond in those moments? And most of all, how do we prepare our hearts for, in God's time and in God's way, prepare for him to work that transformation in our own lives so that we can experience the change that God wants to do in all of us? That's what we're going to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree. Uh, a warm welcome to any new listeners joining us for the first time here. Uh, it's been an exciting weekend in the Sree household, I have to tell you, this last weekend. I had a daughter. My high school daughter goes to homecoming. Uh, my son at college performs for his dorm in a big competition. My daughter, Josephine, got a hat trick in her soccer game. My little daughter, Kiara, uh, I'm coaching. I, I'm coaching again. Yeah, four years out of retirement. I'm coaching little Kiara, my seven-year-old, a uh, little girls soccer team. I've never coached girls before. It's very interesting. Uh, but uh, but her poor team, they've never really played soccer before. and They've just been you know, losing one game after another. But they finally won their first game. They were so excited. They're jumping up and down. We won. We won. <laughs> but I have to tell you, the most probably the most exciting thing happened this weekend was um, uh, my son, Luke. He was in the state final for the state cup for his soccer team. And uh, they were playing a much higher ranked team. And it was a really hard fought battle. Uh, it went into overtime. So they, they were able to keep up with this team and take them to overtime. And then my son, Luke, um, got the ball in the box and then got fouled. So he drew a foul in the penal- in the box. And then uh, in soccer, you do a penalty kick. Uh, so he got the game winning PK, nailed it upper 90. So Luke's team, uh, surprisingly, the big underdogs, um, ended up winning the state cup. And they go off to national competition this summer. So congratulations to them. So big 
big stuff happening in, in the three household here uh, this this last weekend. But I'm really excited about this week ahead. You can pray for Beth and I. Beth and I are going to be presenting. We're, we're going to be giving a talk together in Boulder, Colorado, uh, where it's going to be a, a talk on the realities of marriage in family life, not just the rich theology and, you know, theology of the body and how special and beautiful marriage is. We love all that. We believe that, teach that, of course. We're going to talk about the realities of marriage and family life and the the real struggles and why there's struggles in marriages. Why, why is it that, that couples will sometimes find themselves fighting in moments of discouragement, moments where things just aren't going well, uh, where they're overwhelmed and drowning in parenting. Like, why does that happen? What, what is God wanting from us? We, we love Jesus, we love each other, but we struggle. What's, what, what is happening? How God wants to meet us right in the midst of that struggle. So we've been doing a number of talks recently uh, on that, and we have one coming up here this Friday for the Feast of St. Therese. So if you can remember, pray for Beth and I on that feast day as we're going to be presenting on the little way of marriage. <laughs> you could think of it as um, with St. Therese. But let's talk about this topic of just struggles in general. Why is it that God would leave a great soul, such a loving soul like St. Therese, in this weakness, in the struggle for 10 years? Why is it that like maybe we feel like we're, we've been working for many months, or many years, or maybe just you know from our, our, our childhood, we, maybe we've been struggling with something and we just can't change. We want this to be better. Uh, we, we, we ask the Lord to help us, but we don't notice any, any improvement. What, what is going on there? Uh, why, why does that happen? I'm going to be drawing from not just St. Therese, but from many of the saints in the Catholic tradition, the, the spiritual tradition here a little bit. So a couple of things. First of all, we just have to throw this out there because this is, this is really a possibility. One reason that we might not be noticing improvement in this area and this weakness and this sin or whatever is sometimes we just don't want to change. I mean, we do want to change, kind of, <laughs> but not really. That there's, there's, a, there's a part of us that, that, that likes our sin. <laughs> we like our little, uh, our little weakness. We, we're too attached to this thing, whether it's the show, you know, we're too attached to our phones and we're, we're too attached to social media. And even though we know we, we waste too much time there, we don't, we say we want to give it up and maybe in Lent every year we cut back a little bit, but we never really, year after year, am I really making an improvement of detaching myself from my screens and social media? For example, that could be it. You know, or maybe I'm just too focused on sports or maybe I'm, you know, I don't want to give up my impure glances, you know, or, or the things I'm looking at on screens that are impure. I don't want to give those things up. I mean, I do and I bring it to confession and I, I'll, 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 I'll break away for a few weeks or a few months, but I, I deep down, I kind of like this sin <laughs> or deep down. I, I, I don't want to let go of this. It's like the readings from the gospel recently uh, that we had this last Sunday where, you know, Jesus says, look, if your hand causes you to sin, you know, cut it off. And he's using hyperbole there. So don't, please don't cut off your hand. But, but the point is he's trying to say, you know, if there's something that's, uh, that, that's really keeping you from giving the best of yourself to God or to your spouse, to your children, to your friends, to give the best of yourself in your spiritual life, if there's something keeping you from that, you got to cut it off. But sometimes we just don't want to. That's one reason why we might not experience change is that we don't want to change enough. Again, a part of us does, but Jesus doesn't want a half-hearted 
you know, response from us. He wants our whole heart. You know, he says to that man, if you remember the story in John's Gospel, chapter 5, there was the man that had been paralyzed for, for so many years, and he wants to change, kind of. He wants to, you know, be able to walk again, but he can't get into the waters that are supposed to bring this healing. And, and, and Jesus looks him in the eye, and he says, do you want to be healed? And we could do a whole Bible study on that passage because there's some indications that this man kind of wanted to be healed, but he really didn't. <laughs> and deep down in the end, and he's too attached to his own sinfulness and all. There's something there about that. We'll have to do a Bible study on that another time. But I think Jesus looks you in the eye and me in the eye sometimes and says, do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be liberated from your addiction to social media? Do you really want to be liberated from your addiction to always comparing yourself to other people? Do you really want to be liberated from your your tendency to be a victim, your tendency to kind of blame others for all your problems? You blame your spouse, you blame your financial situation, you blame your boss. Do you really want to be healed of all that? Because there's a part of us that sometimes just kind of likes being able to be a victim or likes being able to keep looking at our screens or whatever, you know? So I, I think the, the key here is we want to realize Jesus doesn't just want to change us. He wants us to want to be changed. And do you desire that change enough? You know, for example, if there's a certain way you keep treating your spouse, you keep complaining, or you keep just thinking you're right and you're not really listening. And you tell yourself, oh yeah, I guess I should listen to my wife every once in a while. And you try to be a little bit better, but, but you're not consistent on it. Do you deeply, deeply want to love and honor your spouse and change and start listening to them and stop looking at it from your perspective all the time? to try to see things from your beloved's perspective, that maybe they're seeing some things that you're not. Are you really willing to change? Do you want to be healed? These are the kinds of things that just ordinary Christians, we have to struggle with. And um, sometimes we're not experiencing progress in, in, in the moral and the spiritual life because we don't really want to change. <laughs> we're, we're too attached to our weaknesses. But let me move on, though, because I think there's a lot of us that sincerely do want to change. We've got these things that we're not happy about, and we bring them to confession, and you know, maybe we've, we've shed tears over these weaknesses, and we go, why do I keep doing this? Why is it that maybe God isn't changing us right away? Well, a second reason could be because there's some other things in our soul that God wants to work on first. It's not that he doesn't want to work on this issue that we're really worried about, you know, it's an important thing. Maybe we need to actually get better at, but maybe there's just some other more fundamental things that are a priority for God and his plan for your spiritual life. Like you have your plan. Like I'm on, I, I got to get better at purity. I just keep struggling and falling into impurity, impure thoughts, impure actions, whatever that is. And, and, and that's true. Maybe God really does want you to get better at purity, but first he wants you to get out of your self-centeredness. You just think about yourself too often. You think about your interests and your comfort and your enjoyment, and, 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 and you're, you tend to be a little selfish. You don't tend to think of other people and their needs as much. And maybe that's actually a deeper-rooted sin that God wants to work on first. And yes, purity will come, but, but, but right now, he really wants you to, to get out of yourself and be more generous and less self-centered, perhaps. Or maybe, for example, you think, I just got to grow in prayer. 
you know, I need to pray more and pray more consistently and, and, you know, do deeper levels of contemplation and, you know, prayers of, of divine intimacy and, and Ignatian meditation or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're, you want to go after in your, your prayer life. And that's wonderful. It's a great thing that you desire to grow in the virtue and, and the habit of prayer, but maybe God wants you to care for the poor more. Like, yeah, he does want you to pray, but a bigger thing is you, you tend to not think about those that are suffering around you. You tend not to maybe think about the, the poor that are in your own neighborhood, the, in your own city, the, the ones that you see on the streets, and, uh, and, and you don't really do that much for the poor. And, and God's asking you to, to, to love him in the poor. That's what Jesus says. Whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do to me. And you're all focused on, I need better time in Adoration Chapel. Maybe Jesus is saying, hey, adoration is wonderful, and that's, it's, it's, it's important to worship God, of course. But don't make your spiritual life all about you. And Jesus wants you to, to meet him in the poor. And, and that could be the materially poor. It could be the spiritually poor. It could be the lonely, those that are sick, those that are, are suffering. But to get out of our, ourselves, maybe that's something God wants to work on. And we, we need to really be open, you know, so we can be so focused on the things that we think are, are the priority. I and mean, like, I think I just, oh, I lose my patience all the time with my kids and Oh, I, you know, I, why did I, I lost my patience again, you know, and, and maybe God is saying, okay, it's not good that you do that, but you actually struggle with perfectionism. You're, you're you, you, you think you have to be the perfect mom and you know what? Like being a mom is overwhelming and there's gonna be times when you're going to break down. There's gonna be times when you're going to be discouraged. There's going to be times when you are going to lose your, your, your patience with your kids and it's not good. Those things need to improve, but maybe more fundamentally, God wants you to know how loved you are, that you are loved by God, not because of how perfect you perform your duties as mom, but, but no, no, you're loved because you're a beautiful daughter of the father. And, and God wants you to experience his love and his mercy, his gentleness, that even when you make a mistake, even when you don't give the best of yourself to your kids, or even when you feel just completely overwhelmed, and then you're short with your spouse when he comes home at the end of the day. And those things happen, and, 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 and they shouldn't happen, yes, but, but maybe the Lord wants you to just be able to trust that, you know, that even in that weakness, you are loved by him. And all you have to do is turn to him and say, I'm sorry, I lost my temper again, and then just trust yourself to his mercy and to his love and not beat yourself up. Maybe that's actually something more fundamental that he wants to work on as your perfectionism and not just your, your, your desire to, to grow in patience. You know, so yeah, there's many reasons why we can go through these struggles in life, you know, and, and, and we don't notice improvement. So I want to summarize. So far we talked about one was maybe we don't really want to change and, and we need to give a wholehearted effort to try to change. But maybe there's other areas. The second issue we just looked at is maybe there's other areas in our soul that God wants to work on. We think that this is the big issue, but there's these other things that are more important. But a third thing could be simply, he wants us to grow in humility. This is what many of the saints write about, that the Lord will allow us to persist in a certain weakness. He'll allow us to struggle for many months, many years even, uh, so that we learn to be more humble that we recognize how weak we really are, how small we really are. You know, we, we pride ourselves, I'm a great Catholic and I go to mass and I listen to these great Catholic things and do Catholic things. And, and but then I, I've got this dark corner of my soul that this weakness that just won't go away. It's, it's just like kind of this thorn in my side, Paul says, but it's there to remind us that, 
I don't have it all together. I need Jesus. <laughs> it keeps me from being proud, you know. Um, I, I realize how much I'm dependent on God. God, I, I can't change. <laughs> I try and I can't do it. Like, that, that's a great thing for me to grow in humility in those moments. Um, the third, last thing, last reason why maybe God allows us to persist in a certain weakness is because he wants us to grow in compassion, compassion on other people. Do you ever get frustrated by other people's faults? Like, does your spouse ever just bug you? <laughs> they just do something that really annoys you, you know, or maybe there's that, that coworker, you know, or that, or it could even be that person at the parish, you know, good Catholic community, but there's this person at the parish that they just have this weakness. They just talk too much, or they're so proud and arrogant, or uh, they're always whining and complaining or whatever the issue is, you know, we can be frustrated with the faults of the people around us, especially those closest to us. I think God gives us certain weaknesses so that then we can have greater compassion on those around us and their weakness. You know, like I, I, like I can be frustrated with things that Beth does or the way she responds to something and, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I could kid myself and go, well, I mean, she should just be more perfect like me, <laughs> but I know myself, I know, you know, what a loser I am and how weak I am and how many times I do things that hurt her or let her down or whatever. And so my own weakness helps me to be more compassionate when I notice something where she's not responding in the best way. And then my, again, it's not ideal that she's responding that way, but, but I see, you know what? I, I probably would have done a lot worse. You know, she had a rough day today. If that were me having to take care of all the kids and do, run them around and all that, I probably would have just lost it so much more, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so God keeps us humble, not just for ourselves, but also that we can have greater patience and gentleness with other people around us because we recognize our own faults more. So those are four reasons why God might uh, allow us to, you know, persist in a certain weakness. Let's go back to Therese now. You're probably wondering, what is the secret weakness that she had that, you know, for 10 years? What was it? Well, it goes back to her childhood. You know, she was a very outgoing, uh, confident young girl up until the age of four and a half. Uh, very comfortable in social settings with other people. Uh, but then at the age of four and a half, tragedy struck in her life and her her mother passed away. And after her mom's death, she was very close to her mom, she became very timid, very introverted, and very sensitive. And she couldn't control her emotions. And it's like the littlest thing would set her off. You know, she, you know, something would happen and she would just start to cry. And then she'd be frustrated that she was crying because she knew that she shouldn't, you know, lose her emotions like this. So she would cry over having cried even. <laughs> and it was just like this downward spiral for her. And all, this, all the siblings noticed this dramatic change in her. And they noticed how overly emotional she was, overly sensitive she was. And for 10 years, she was battling this. She knew this was a weakness. She was asking God to help her. She was striving to change, but she couldn't do it. And then one day, the day of her miracle came. It was, um, she's 14 and a half years old. She's goes to Christmas Eve midnight mass with her father and her sister, Celine. And in France, they had that tradition of putting the, the shoes out, you know, on Christmas Eve and uh, put them by the fireplace. And, and then the, the father would put little gifts, you know, in the shoes for the, for the little daughter. Well, 
Therese was 14 and a half. So she's getting, you know, a little too old for this. And the father, you know, they come back after midnight mass. He's a little tired, a little grumpy. I've been that way before, I admit, (laughs) coming back after midnight mass. So I get it. And Therese is coming down the stairs and uh, her sister, Celine, is going up the stairs. And they both overhear the father be a little grumpy about this tradition because Therese had left her shoes out. She did it again, but, but she's kind of like a teenager and uh, and kind of like, well, why, why, and why are we doing this still? And so the, the father says, oh, well, I hope this is the last year I have to do this. Now, this is the kind of thing that would normally make Therese just cry. She would just, she hears her father complaining about the shoes and, <laughs> and, the, and, and, and this would more, normally she would just start to bawl. And Celine sees this. Celine sees the tears welling up in Therese's eyes. And Celine's like, oh, no, no, don't, don't go downstairs. <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't ruin Christmas. Just, just stay up here. Pretend you didn't hear it. Don't go downstairs. And then Therese, all of a sudden, for the first time in 10 years, finds this inner strength to hold back those tears, to rise above those negative emotions stirring within her and to pretend like she didn't hear it and to go down and be with her dad and be joyful and accept the gifts. And Celine was like, what, what, what just happened here? <laughs> that normally doesn't happen. Therese normally breaks down. This would be a complete emotional outburst and Christmas Eve is ruined. And uh, But Therese says, Forcing back my tears, I descended the stairs rapidly, controlling the poundings of my heart. I took my slippers and placed them in front of Papa and withdrew all the objects joyfully. I had the appearance of a queen, and having regained his own cheerfulness, Papa was laughing. And Celine believed it was all a dream. <laughs> Celine couldn't believe this. What just happened here? This normally doesn't happen. Uh, Therese goes on and says, Fortunately, it was not a dream. It was a sweet reality. Therese had discovered once again the strength of soul which she had lost at the age of four and a half, and she was to preserve it forever. You know, this is what Therese calls her conversion story. (laughs) This isn't like, you know, Scott Hahn, you know, the story, a Protestant minister becomes Catholic, you know, or you hear these other stories. I, I was in a punk rock band and doing drugs and then found Jesus. This is not that kind of a conversion story, but it's the kind of conversion story that gives ordinary Catholics like you and me, a lot of hope. Because Therese says here, the work I had been unable to do in 10 years was done by Jesus in one instant. In one instant, she was changed. She had been trying to be better at this this weakness for 10 years. And then God intervened. But what happened? How is this? Now, some of you are wondering, is this, is this really a miracle? How, how is this a miracle? Why does Therese call it a miracle? Uh, for those of you who have raised teenage daughters, you may realize that, well, you know, a teenage girl controlling her emotions is pretty miraculous. <laughs> but, but here's what I want you to see is it's, again, the great miracles aren't just like I mentioned last week, you know, Padre Pio. It's not just, oh, the stigmata, you know, it's, it's the ordinary little things that the saints do and that, that what God does in them and through them. For Therese, it was controlling her emotions. How about you? What is it that God wants to work on in you? Maybe it's controlling your tongue. You need to just stop gossiping or stop whining all the time or complaining all the time or being critical of others. Uh, maybe it's you know guarding your eyes, guarding the purity of your heart. Maybe it's managing your temper. Maybe you fall into discouragement a lot. You know, Jesus wants to heal those things. 
Maybe, maybe you struggle with anxiety. You struggle with fear of the future. You, you lack trust. You just don't, you, you have to control everything. Or maybe you struggle with self-hatred. You struggle with self-condemnation. You, you've got this perfectionism and it just beats yourself up and Jesus wants to heal you of that. Maybe Jesus wants you to be more patient with your, your spouse or a certain family member or a certain coworker and, and he wants you to have more compassion on what, you know, whatever it is, we all have our stuff and, but it's ordinary stuff. It doesn't have to be like extraordinary sins. These are the kind of ordinary sins that, that, that we all have and we struggle with, but Jesus wants to heal. Why, why does he let us persist again? I want to remind you, maybe, you know, the saints remind us, maybe it's because, because we, we don't really want to change. And Jesus is saying, do you want to be healed? He, do you really want to be healed? Maybe there's other areas that Jesus wants to heal first. Maybe he wants us to grow in humility. Maybe he wants us to grow in compassion, but whatever it is, if we are faithful, we keep trying and we keep, you know, entrusting ourselves to the Lord and to his mercy. And, and we just keep moving forward like Therese did. Therese, even though she struggled for 10 years, she never gave up. She kept persevering and she kept turning to the merciful arms of the Father. So whatever sin you have, persevere. Keep fighting against it. And then secondly, turn to the merciful arms of the Father. Always just trust it to the Father. Bring it to confession. Tell the Lord you're sorry. Tell him, this is the best I could do, Lord, at this moment until your grace intervenes in, 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 in a powerful way. Until you do my Christmas miracle like you did for Therese, I'm going to just keep trying. And I'm going to keep, every time I fall, I'm going to say sorry. I'm going to trust in your mercy. And I'm going to pick up and try again. That's what Therese did for 10 long years. Will you love Jesus enough to persevere and to keep trying? and to entrust yourself to the merciful arms of the Father when you fall? Because if you do, you will experience great transformation like the great St. Therese. St. Therese, pray for us. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. Uh, you can, If you want to read more about this idea of transformation, I'm sharing with you from my book, Into His Likeness, Be Transformed as a Disciple of Christ. It's all about meeting God in our weakness, in our struggles, uh, and then and, and finding his great love and mercy and healing grace in our lives. So again, into his likeness, that's what I was drawing from here. You can always reach out to me on my website, edwardsfree.com, or follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. God bless.